So I arrive in Philadelphia and immediately head for 9th and Race Streets, where I visited many times before from New York and visited with the five tattoo shops that were there. And coming down Race Street, I reached 9th Street and I looked to my right. There's Professor Brayman's tattoo shop. I looked to the left on Race Street, where Sarah Eddie's shop was. It's now occupied by two old men, Deefy Grassman and Bill Greenwood. Now, Deefy Grassman I have heard of throughout my career. He was a tattoo artist from Charleston, South Carolina. Right next door to him, Pop Huff shop, still there. I looked to my right where Sailor Charlie's shop was, and there's a big sign in Sailor Charlie's place. Big sign in the window. Store for rent. I said, wow. Boy, what luck. I pull my car to the side immediately, get out my pen, and jot down the phone number onto on my arm where I could have a little record. I had no paper with me. This was before cell phones. The year is probably 1962, before. So I drive down the street a little further, and there's Al Waller's shop still there. And I say, now I gotta find a hotel. I remember seeing one in previous visits on 9th Street around Market, which wasn't very far, two, three blocks from where I was. So I drive around till I find this hotel. It was still there. I forget the name of it. It was a big hotel, nice lobby. So I, I go in and I check in for, the, for one day just to get a room with a telephone. <laughs> so I, I call the number store for rent, old sailor Charlie's place, and a Chinese woman answers the phone spoke very broken English. She said, yes, the source of rent. What do you want to put in there? I said, I'm a tattoo man. I want to open a tattoo shop. She said, you know Sailor Charlie? He was there for years. He's retired. That's a good spot. She says, you rent it. I give you a long lease. I said, I'd like a, a 10-year lease. She said, I give you any size lease you want. She says, you want 10 years? I give you 20 years. She says, good spot. You come see me, and she gives me her address. I ask her for directions. Now, Philadelphia is one-way streets. Every other street is a one-way in the opposite direction. It was very easy to learn your way around Philadelphia. They had north, south, east, and west, and the center of town was right in the center of town on two busy streets called Broad Street and Market Street. And that was where you got your north, south, east, and west sides from. 
very easy to find and follow directions. So I go to see the Chinese woman that had the sign for rent. She gave me directions. She lived in South Philadelphia. So I go there. I find it very easily. I park my car. I go knock on her door. She comes to the door. We go inside. She says, <clears throat> the rent is going to be $25 a month. I didn't want to fall down on her floor, but I just thought, my God, wow, that's an awful cheap. She says, you want 10 years? She says, I said, yes. She says, okay, I'll make you a lease. She said, you give me first month, one month security, and one month something else, $75. You give me now, I make lease. You come back later. I said, okay, thank you very much. She said, here's the key. You go in, you clean up in there, you make nights. I said, okay, thank you. I'll be back at three o'clock. So I go back to the tattoo shop. I load myself into the tattoo shop. Park my car across the street. There were a few vacant lots there. And I park my car and I go out into the neighborhood to find a store where I can get a broom and some cleaning, cleaning stuff to clean up the shop. I walk two blocks up to Market Street, very busy street. All kinds of stores there. Some five and tens there. I get all the cleaning equipment I need bring it back to the shop, and I start cleaning up inside. Now, the inside was in pretty decent shape. Charlie had a little petition there, just a little bit to, to keep the people from breathing on them, you know, hanging all over them. But it was kind of flimsy, so I, I made a list of what kind of lumber I would need. I had tools with me. And I started fixing the shop to make it ready to open up. I see Deefy across the street. He's coming out. He put a sign in his door back in 10 minutes. And I see him head for the bar on 9th Street, just a short distance from these shops. Big sign outside said Bill's Bar. I said, well... I've been working a little hard. I go over there and introduce myself to Deefy, have me a cold beer, and speak with Deefy a little bit. Now, Deefy, although he wore a big visible hearing aid, could hear somewhat, and he could actually speak a little, and I introduced myself. I bought Deefy a beer, and we sat there talking a little. <clears throat> a short time afterwards, Professor Brayman comes in. Deefy motions over. Come over and sit with us. <clears throat> and he introduces me to Brayman, who knew me from visiting there before. 
and they both proceed to tell me how glad everybody was that Sailor Eddie had moved across the bridge to Camden, New Jersey, because he was always calling the cops on them. Anybody that got <clears throat> any business in there, you had to be 21 or have parents' permission or consent to be tattooed. And Sailor was always calling the cops on everybody. And it backfired on him. He got busted several times. <clears throat> and that was the reason he had moved over the bridge to New Jersey. Anyway, they said there was no health department rules and regulations. <clears throat> they said that the health department had come around with the closing of New York <clears throat> and wanted to set standards in Philadelphia. <clears throat> it seems Professor Brayman had tattooed with, with the hospitals and Navy hospitals in Philadelphia doing cosmetic tattooing, <clears throat> tattooing over scars and helping the, the GIs to be rehabilitated. And he had a lot of pull in Philadelphia and the health department backed off and left the tattoo shops to, to deal with their own. However, the health department did set rules and regulations across the bridge in New Jersey where Sailor Eddie was in Camden, New Jersey. They had plenty of health rules. However, the age limit was only 16 over there to be tattooed. Said goodbye to the tattoo guys. <clears throat> Said I gotta get back to work. And I went back to work some more on cleaning up the shop, getting it ready. As I'm opening the door to go into the tattoo shop, this, this man approaches me, says, hello, he says, my name is Joe McCarthy. I'm the neighborhood handyman. Do you need any help? I said, yeah, sure. Come on in. So now with the extra help, it didn't take me long making lists of things I would need. I got like a bench and chairs and everything I would need to get get ready. And I had somebody to help me carry it and, and help me build and install. And I was well on my way to getting all set up. <clears throat> In the next few days, I get the shop ready, get my flash hung up, and I'm ready to open. In the meantime, I've gone out to explore the neighborhood and see what the neighborhood is like which I'll explain briefly right now. Our race street seemed to be the main drag that ran through Chinatown, which Chinatown ran from 9th to 11th Street thereabouts, and a block both north and south. And seems like 9th Street was the cutoff line where Skid Row started. On race street, Going toward 8th Street was a great big bar, sort of like a nightclub, called the Gay 90s. In this bar, 
was hookers and, and bums. Everybody frequent this bar. On sailor paydays, there was plenty of sailors on Race Street. On the corner of Tent and Race were four big bars. I don't remember the names of them, except the one called the Merry-Go-Round. And the reason I remember that is I made that my favorite watering hole. At that time, beers were 35 cents a bottle. You could get four beers for a dollar. The first three you paid for, the fourth one was always on the house. So in spoiling the neighborhood, I stopped in the merry-go-round, introduced myself to the bartender, who's also, his name was Eddie as well. He said he was the owner, him and his brother, welcome to the neighborhood, and bought me my first beer. Down Ray Street, just before 8th Street, was a great big flop house. Ten, ten cents a night, you got a thin little piece of what they call the mattress <coughs> to sleep on the floor. It was nice for the bums. They had a place to get in out of the cold in the winter. Down Ninth Street itself was just bars and bars and bars. Frequently, but there must have been hundreds of thousands of bums there. There were two more flop houses, one on 9th Street and two blocks north on 9th Street was a big, big eight-lane road called Vine Street where they had a third large flop house. And as though there were so many bums there, just like the Bowery in New York, they were harmless people. They were just drunks. They would hit you up with any spare change just to get something to buy himself a little bottle of wine, get himself a flop house for the night. They, they were harmless. Right next door to my new tattoo shop was a little travel agent, also a notary public, notary guy. So I had myself some consent forms printed up that the people that weren't 21, the kids would come in. I would say, listen, you got to get this consent form filled out. Outside, there's plenty of bums. Just go up to them, give them a quarter. They'll sign it for you saying, hey, your father, you take it into this notary public. They'll stamp it. You bring it back here, and I'll tattoo you. To the other side of my tattoo shop was a little larger store vacant, owned by the same Chinese woman. And on the corner was a little luncheonette where you could get a great sandwich, or oh, a big, thick liverwurst sandwich. You could cut it in half. It would feed two people easily for 30 cents. I was finding it pretty reasonable to live in Philadelphia. The prices of tattoos were still down. <clears throat> I had a $5 minimum. Sailor Eddie over in Jersey was still tattooing names on for $2. I was getting three. I had a $5 minimum on designs, and I was getting 
getting a decent price, five, six, seven, eight dollars, twelve dollars, pretty good. Joe the handyman, he would stop in the tattoo shop. He would hang out there for hours, just telling stories. He, he had nothing to do. He did handiwork around town. He introduced me to a lot of the neighborhood guys. <clears throat> he brought two particular characters around that ended up hanging out in my shop for a long, long time. One guy's name was Muggsy McGraw. The other guy's name was Cactus Jack. And they would hang out. They were drinkers and gamblers. They didn't live in the flop houses. They lived down the street on 10th and Racer, I told before. There was four bars on the corners. They had little rooms up above the, the bars. And these guys lived in them rooming houses down there. Also in those bars was plenty of hookers. I was doing a little business and very content. Thanksgiving was approaching. I was getting ready to go home to New York <coughs> to have Thanksgiving dinner with my family. <coughs> I would stop in the Bronx on the way to my mother's house and pick up my daughter Sometimes wife number one, Nancy, would even come with me over to my parents' house. 